Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. Michael, guide me through some questions, brother. <laughs> Why do you seem more angelic as the night has progressed? Like you're illuminated. So, <laughs> so, so I'm ready to do the, is this the real thing? Or is this fantasy? Um, <clears throat> that's what it's looking like. So I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina at the ASM meeting. As I think we talked about that earlier. And um, I had lit the room, I thought, perfectly for the beginning of the webinar. But as the time is passing, we're uh, losing more and more light and it's getting darker. Is that a little bit better? Yeah, you're good, man. Um, OK, I, we, we do have a boatload of questions. Um, so I'm just going to start rattling them off. No apparent order. Um, can you explain why too much protrusion past the sweet spot can worsen OSA? Yeah, there's a, it's been described in the literature, there's a sort of a reflex reaction that happens with the musculature when the mandible uh, goes past some point and, and you don't experience it with everybody. Uh, the, the thought is that generally more protrusion, uh, dose related, more advancement, uh, it just makes sense you're opening the airway more, but at some point that becomes like a muscle reaction, uh, reflex reaction that works against that or fights that. And so that's why that can happen. I just reviewed a case with somebody today who hadn't gone too far, but at zero, got a very marginal uh, result, went forward, it got worse, went forward again, it got worse. And they said, what do I do? And I said, well, you might be over titrated at your bite position. So the matrix studies that John um, Remmers did with Aaron Mosca and Shuresh Sharkandi and that group showed that there's a percentage of the population that responds at 10% protrusion and some that respond at 20 and some that don't respond to you get to 90% protrusion. And it's like a bell curve. So if we've got this kind of 50-ish, 60-ish, you know, treatment position that most of us are thinking about, that's good, but there's people at both ends. Yeah. And it might not be expedient for me to start everybody at zero millimeters because it'll take me like six months to titrate them. So I start them at 50% and I realize, and John Brummers and I have, have had this talk, I might be over-titrating some patients, but I'm not usually in that zone where I'm getting that reflex reaction. It's actually a muscle reflex thing. Got it. Cool. Uh, next one. Do you take an MRI? This is from Viet Nguyen. Um, do you take an MRI to diagnose TMJ internal derangement and degeneration before oral appliance? No. Cool. Uh, Dr. Andrew. <laughs> it's going to drive him crazy that I just said no, but that's okay. It sounds like you and I have a, or he, he and you have an ongoing relationship here because he's made a couple of cool comments in the chat all right <clears throat> um dr andrew uh i have a few new patients who report tmg pain tmj pain and or bite change that's significant enough to make them want to discontinue treatment and even request a refund i've coached through palliative therapy reinforced the need for am repositioning device reset the devices but with no effect they're disenchanted and frankly feels like he's failed them what do you do? So, so first off, let's forget about the refund thing. Second off, you haven't failed anybody. Um, if you did the right thing and you did your best and you treated them the way you'd want to be treated, you know, this only works in, remember, mild or moderate, it's going to work 90% of the time, 94% of the time. And in, in severe, if you add severe to the mix, it may be 80% of the time. So we're going to have a success percentage. That means there will be failures. There will be patients who, who because they have, uh, low arousal threshold, or they have weak pharyngeal, pharyngeal dilator muscles, or they have 
high loop gain or they have mechanical inability to advance far enough that for some reason we cannot treat them. That is not our fault. That is not our problem. This is not a blame game. We, uh, we, we uh, gave them this blood pressure medication. It didn't work. They need a different one. We did this heart stent for them. It didn't work. They need open heart surgery. Uh, we did chemotherapy and, and that didn't work. We're going to try radiation. This is medicine, brothers and sisters. It's not dentistry. This is not how it works. I'm going to come back to inform before you perform those surprises. I talk to patients and I say, you know, with yours being mild, I got to tell you, we're about 90% successful. When I say we're about 90% successful. Yeah. Um, I'm telling them, I'm not emphasizing, but I'm telling them we're 10% not successful. Yeah. And so that can happen. Uh, nobody gives them their money back. If they've had a CPAC for six months, and they're not wearing it. They don't get their money back. So forget that. We, my, my daughter used to say to me, Kimberly, she would say to me, dad, you got to harden your heart. It's really tough. But can you imagine being a physician and walking out, telling somebody that their child died or their spouse died? That's got to be so hard. And we talk about losing a tooth or an implant failed or something like that drives us nuts, right? Crown came off and this device didn't work. And so I have to look at patient and say, I am so sorry, Michael. This just is not working for you. You're going to have to go back and try CPAP. Yep. Yep. Surgery didn't work. You got to do something else. Yeah. Nobody asked for the money back. It's a, it's a different ball game. And that's, that's not the main focus. We're on the same page and that, you know, but and, Andrew, to your, to your main question, it's what Mark said. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the best that you can. Sometimes it's not going to fix the problem and you got to be okay with that in order for the patient to be okay with that. Yeah. All right. On a light, on a lighter side, uh, Jason infamous Tierney came out and said he was the one that asked about the mustard stain. Uh, (laughs) So, all right. Um, Tell him it's better than tapioca stain. (laughs) I'm not going to be the messenger there. Uh, Okay. So uh, Sarah asked for patients who sleep alone. We often get asked, how will I know it's working? So um, quality of sleep, you know, has so many characteristics. We use an app for a lot of patients called Snore Lab, S-N-O-R-E-L-A-B. It's free. It records every other night, um, carries three nights of data. If they pay five bucks, it'll do every night and they can listen to their whole night's sleep. It'll give them a sleep score. I tell them not to worry about the numerical value of the score, but to look at the uh, number of minutes that they spent in uh, epic kind of snoring. And that's a really good metric for them to use. But that still doesn't tell them that it's working because that's one part of it. I tell them that most of the time, thank goodness, the snoring and the HI score go together. But sometimes they don't. That's another thing we have to set up. Sometimes your HI score comes down and the snoring doesn't. And sometimes your snoring comes down and the HI doesn't. Doesn't usually happen. They usually go together. But once in a while we see that, let's hope that doesn't happen. Off we go. So they say, hey, I go, look, you're doing great. Your HI score is down. They go, well, my spouse hates you because they're still snoring. Tough shit. Can't yep. fix it. Can't fix everything. And so we, we have to set those things up in conversations. It's so important and to not be defensive about it. And so, yep. uh, yeah, that Snorlab app is really helpful, but, but, but also quality of life. So we ask people to keep an inventory when you're at this setting, when you're at that setting, how did you sleep? Did you feel more rested? Did you feel like you needed a nap? How many times did you get up to go pee? What, whatever was bothering you about sleep. Uh, here's another uh, thing that I've, I've learned from friends. They said, so if, if your treatment is successful, what's the one thing you really hope will happen? And they go, ah, that I quit snoring or ah, that I don't get up four times to go to pee at night or that I don't have to feel like I take a nap. Write that down. 
yep. come back to them later because they might say, well, I'm still getting up to go pee. But you told me the most important thing was not having to take a nap. And you told me you're feeling much more rested during the day. Yep. So getting them to focus back on, you know, the positive things. Yep. So the that's actually some of the verbiage and stuff that we go through in the course uh, to plug still, that just to add. I mean, emotional pain points, getting the patients to define those and connecting with them as part of the motivation to move forward and then being able to circle back for the mm -hmm. popularized term there. We're going to circle back to those pain points and see what's been alleviated. Everybody's going to have those that moves forward with treatment. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay you a dime for the treatment because they don't think they need it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, Ooh, I'm going to answer one that I just saw. Can you reline Evo? No. <laughs> Pisses me off that we can't. Maybe someday, but I don't see it in the very near future. If I knew a patient was going to have a lot of dental work done, I'd make them an acrylic device. Um, if, if they're going to have one crown done, maybe up to one crown in each quadrant, I could probably adjust that and still have enough retention and not worry about it. Um, but no, we don't have a reline capability for Evo, that's for sure. Okay. Um, Kelsey asks, are there any online videos or at-home tricks or exercises you can give a patient who is starting to experience permanent bite changes? Yeah, the ADSM has um, some uh, muscle activities and a handout sheet available um, on their website. Uh, if, you, if you don't have access to that, email me individually at mmurphy at personas.com. It's right there on the, I guess it's right there on the slide. And I can send you uh, what I've got. Happy to do that. Um, again, prevention is the key there. <laughs> it's yep. a lot easier to prevent it than deal with it afterwards, for sure. Yep. Uh, Andrew said, uh, not effective is very different from cannot wear because it hurts. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Great point, man. Um, <clears throat> compare subjective results to AHI results. Which one uh, from Frank? You kind of did that already. We emphasize the subjective results, but the AHI is going to be your, that's your scorecard. Uh, yeah. Right, wrong, or different. It's going to be the scorecard on a sleep test. So, and it's interesting. Today, today, AHI score is how we kind of all get paid. It was successful. The AHI score came down. Yeah. You and your physicians agree on a target. Maybe some physician is looking for under five, unrealistic, uh, under 10, and a 50% reduction, I think, is a really good goal. Um, the STAR trial for Inspire, the STAR trial was the clinical trial that got Inspire a severe clearance for OSA treatment. It's a very expensive treatment. It has uh, approximately 65% uh, efficacy and 75% adherence and 32% side effects. And their target was reducing the patient's AHI to below 20. So if a physician is talking to you about, well, that patient's still 17 and they were 61, you should go, well, in the STAR trial, that would have been a success. So if that was an Inspire patient, we would call that a success. So I'm not, I'm not saying you fight back, but you have to have these things in your armamentarium. So the other thing about AHI is AHI, we do not have a correlation of AHI to all-cause mortality. We don't have a correlation between AHI and cardiovascular events, the SAVE trial. We don't have a correlation between AHI and necessarily uh, a, a direct correlation or a high P-score on quality of, of sleep. What we do see is that if we look at the amount of time they spend, the amount of time and how deep they go below 90, we call that the hypoxic burden, that correlates very well to all-cause mortality. Um, heart rate changes 
and, and changes to the heart rate max and minimum seem to correlate to all-cause mortality. There's a recent article in uh, JCSM on that. So we're, we're probably going to see this metric of AHI fade in the next year or two or three. And we're going to find new metrics, most likely hypoxic burden and heart rate, delta and heart rate variability. Can't wait for that, man. You're not kidding. I've been watching this movie, the same movie for almost two decades. This HI is getting old, but uh, yeah. we're getting closer. All right, I'm going to keep going here. Um, uh, Abby asked, how do we join A2S? Abby, I think you're asking about the study club. We have something called the Pivot Study Club. It'd probably be great to talk to a coach uh, before you just cold join that, know what you're expecting. Mark, I think you have a slide on scheduling a call for a coach. I do. Yeah. Uh, one more. There we go. Uh, so there's a QR code there, Abby, and anybody else. Uh, Awaken to Sleep does coaching and diagnostics. We want to help you guys do more work. Uh, so we have sleep coaches available. If you go to that link, you can ask us any questions that you want. We can talk about the study club or anything that we can do to help you, even if it's not something that we sell. We want to help you do more work and help more folks. That's really what it's about. Uh, it sounds like a Hallmark card, but it really does actually matter to us. So yeah, appreciate you guys being here. Um, dang, so man, I'm going to throw something up there's, there's a comment in the chat that Tashi's got up there about a suggestion of a myofunctional straw water bottle that strengthens the tongue to rest on the pellet. Totally true. That's absolutely true. Um, and it can reduce snoring. You know, anything that's helping to promote nasal breathing, anything that's helping to so we're at the ASM meeting. I have this Excite OSA therapy, which creates, by the way, a 40% reduction. And, and it's only for mild, but a 40% reduction in uh, AHI scores by increasing the pharyngeal uh, dilated muscle tone, learning the didgeridoo, learning a wind instrument. I mean, we could go on and on. Those are all good things um, to, to help uh, mitigate and work around some of these things and, and finding the right combination. I love some of that creativity of some of those ideas in myofunctional yeah. therapy. You know, I, I, we had an hour and so we're not going to cover everything off. And yeah. Those are, those are really good suggestions. Good piece of information for sure. All right. I want a short answer to this one. Cause it's my question and nobody else's. Have you ever had somebody that actually learned how to play the didgeridoo or anything remotely like, yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can three shape scans for AI appliances be reused to fabricate Evo appliances? Um, yeah. So, so, uh, so, so any scan, if there hasn't been a change in the dentition, the shape, the position of the teeth, a lot of dentistry done or anything like that, um, a reasonable length of time between the time the scan is done and when the device is made, yeah, that would work just fine. Um, I have worn every single prototype um, that we've made at Personas, and my scans are stored from an original analog impression and analog bite that was taken in 2013. And I got my most recent device, um, the Evo, probably last August, uh, well below, it was in the animal testing phase. And so that, that device was in 2019. So that was six years, no, that was in 2021. So that was eight years after my, roughly eight years after my impression was taken, um, still delivering the device. Now, truth be told, I've had a new crown done on the tooth. So when I put it in, the upper fits great. And the lower is too tight around that tooth. It is too tight. It pinches and cuts. It's not just get used to it tight. And so I have to just ring that out just a little bit and then I'm fine. Cool. Um, 
Glory asked, how do you know which device to begin with? Is there a course on designs? All right, Gloria, then. you should probably register for this weekend's course. Yeah. Because uh, we, we, we actually have one. I was supposed to announce this a minute ago, but we have too many questions. We have one spot left at the discount. So if you want to claim to fame of buying Dr. Mark Murphy at a discount, that's your ticket. <laughs> well, I, should, well, yeah. I shouldn't answer that. She should have to pay for the course to take that. So, so <laughs> I'm going to answer it anyhow. So this Do is it. going to sound super self-serving. So for me, I love the way Evo performs so well that I start with Evo because I like it. I like it for so many reasons. All the reasons we talked about, less dose, more comfortable, smaller design, anatomical, all these things. Great. Flexible material. And then I have to find a reason not to use Evo. And there are reasons. And I've told you some of those tonight. I might need micro titration. So I need a jack screw device. So I need a dorsal. I need a CALP. Maybe it's a Medicare patient and I don't have a workaround like I do. Uh, and, and I have to use a herbs device. Or maybe it's a patient who only has six upper and lower anterior teeth. And I'm going to use a, uh, a, a tap device. Or maybe it's a patient that's edentulous and I want a soft line of material. Now, I don't like soft. Or maybe it's a patient that's freaking out about their veneers. So I'm going to make them a printed nylon panthera. So those are all devices I can make. And, and so I work for Personas and so, oh my God, I'm getting fired tomorrow because I said other device names that I've used. Well, no, I, it, one size doesn't fit all, but I start with, with Evo and, and then it's hard to get me off the Evo and you have to have some of those special conditions. Yeah. Cool. When somebody says they have a go-to device, that's usually what they mean. Yep. Awesome. Um, next question for Medicare patients. Uh, they want a herbs appliance. How can they find out you delivered an Evo? Brian, I'm going to recommend that you email Mark uh, <laughs> that one, not no, so on a it, recorded webinar. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, can, I can kind of answer that. So, so for, for a Medicare patient, I will deliver two devices. I deliver device one that meets the Medicare guidelines. That could be an Evo. I'm not an Evo. That could be a Herbst. That could be a TAP. That could be a Snorhook. There are 81 different PDAC, Medicare approved AIM guideline devices. Then I sell them a backup device called Evo and they sign an ABN. So they sign a POD for the compliant device for Medicare guidelines. And then they buy a backup device for me. Uh, and those can both be made off the same scans or same models. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. Um, regarding device breakage, this is from Kenneth. Do you yep. have a time period that you will typically repair or remake for free for the patients? And then somebody else asked, how do you handle those? Do you charge? So we'll kind of lump those together. Yeah, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask because I make my living full-time working for Posomnus. And so I get to practice dental sleep medicine one day a week, part-time. And so I'm not really that worried about making money. But, but during the warranty period, which is three to five years for um, devices, five years for a, a Medicare device, yeah. I'm going to get it repaired for free. If my repair rate is within the norms of like under three, four, maybe 5% of the highest, I just roll with it. And, and if I had a much higher repair rate, I would start to ask myself, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> because 5% is the target we should shoot for. And if I've got 10 or 15% of my devices are breaking, I'm going to say, why? Are, the, are my devices poorly designed? Are they weak? Am I doing something wrong with my bite? Am I having my patient do something wrong with right. them? Am I training my patients wrong? I start to look for the cause, root cause analysis. Yeah. Um, and so I don't charge for those appointments at all. You can charge for repair. You can charge under certain circumstances uh, mm -hmm. for some of those things. But I think those also are red flags to um, inviting 
what do you call it? Audits from Medicare and stuff like that. So I want to stay away from that. Yep. Uh, Martin asked a very pointed question. Would you be willing to send your informed consent? <laughs> Absolutely. Email me and I'll, I'll ship you one out. No problem. It's cool. pretty standard. Pretty standard. Uh, Viet wants to know uh, what's the percentage of patients developing um, or worsening of TMD specifically with uh, yeah. the prosomnus appliances you've used? So I would have, I would love to have been able to have that question asked and answered when, when my answer could have been zero, but it's not. In fact, it's really uh, humorous for me in a, in a sense, kind of ironic. I published a poster at the ADSM last year on dose where I started patients, how much I advanced them, what side effects they had. And none of those patients discontinued treatment. It was a series of, I think, 55 consecutive patients. None of them discontinued treatment because of side effects. And I'm not crapping you, but about a month and a half, six weeks, maybe two months after the poster abstract was presented and published, one of the patients, Joss, were getting sore and had to discontinue treatment. So now it's now it's uh, one out of, so it's 2%. Now it's one. There's always one. <laughs> yeah, I could have said... At the time, if you read if you read my poster from last year, it says none discontinued treatment. It is now a lie, and now there is one patient discontinued. At the time of this writing, that's correct. <laughs> and I'm sorry, right. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so transparent, but I'm just not good at lying. That's all right, man. We appreciate that. Uh, all right, so Frank asks, uh, "What do you use to titrate out to determine the sweet spot across multiple nights?" Yeah. So I, I have most patients go uh, a millimeter about every five days, could be three to seven days. I don't care, but I tell them about every five days, make some notes about how you felt it. When, when they go forward and they don't like it, come back. When they find the spot that they think they sleep the best at, snore the least at, and they're getting that, I call it subjective signs and symptoms. Then I have them wear a pulse oximeter for two nights, upload the data, I read it. And if that pulse oximetry data matches their subjective symptoms, I send them back to the physician for the follow-up sleep test. Yeah. But I'd have no problem with a night owl and rapid titration, a night owl and periodic treatments every time they vent. I'd have no problem with that. I'd have no problem at all. Yeah. Lots of different ways. Cool. Uh, which pulse ox do you use? Um, I, I've got a bunch of these from a company called CMS Health. They're very inexpensive. They're under $200, 120, 30, 40 bucks, something like that. Uh, the new ones are rechargeable. The old ones were battery operated. So I go through a lot of AAA batteries. Grandkids toys. Yep. <laughs> you use them and Costco. then. Costco batteries, yep. baby. Yep. The expensive ones don't last more than a night. Um, all right. Uh, last one so far. Uh, Tal asks a, a follow-up question to that patient. Really with the dry mouth, mouth opening, elastics don't work, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, is there a way to fuse the upper and the lower? They've got a herpst right now. They're a way to fuse the upper and the lower. Um, give them a blowhole, man. I mean, so, <laughs> give, so, give them some way to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say, yeah, you could, you know, it's acrylic, right? So if you've got an acrylic device, you could use acrylics to uh, fix those together. You could, um, instead of elastics, you could use a wire on the, on the elastics. There's, there's, you know, some things I could think of to be creative. Um, and most patients wouldn't like that. Um, if you've ever slept with a temporary device like a Blue Pro, um, that's it, weird to get up in the morning and think that my jaw is stiff from not having moved for eight hours, wiggling around, loosening it up. And, and so most patients don't like that. But if, if that's what would be right for a particular patient, I might 
these wires. I don't know. Th those are the things I'm thinking of. I always worry about elastics and wires, though, that somebody aspirating or something like that. So it's another reason I don't use many elastics. Yep. You know, I, Abby, Abby snuck a question in. Uh, what do you do if you have a patient who's having muscle joint issues at plus one or two and you move them back to end to end and they were complaining about heavier clenching and grinding? Right now, they're focused on nasal breathing, but want to know your thoughts. So interesting. So I, I would never be thinking about end-to-end -end as a, any kind of a metric or starting point. And, and Abby, hear this, not as criticism, but just as a very practical point. I'm going to lean forward to the camera and gross everybody out. But um, I have a seven millimeter range of motion. And so when I bite, I have a tremendous overbite, 100%. When I slide forward, that's all I have. I cannot get my lower incisors in front of my upper incisors. Can't do it. So if you tried to start me at end to end and then go plus one, plus two, I'll hate you in the first morning because that's max protrusion for me. That's seven millimeters out of a seven millimeter range. And I will be very uncomfortable that next day. I can tell you for sure. So that's the first thing I would say. So, but let's, let's assume for a second that I'm a more normal patient and I can come further than that. My range of motion is 14 and you know, okay, great. Um, then, then, uh, then I would, I would just, I would move them back. Um, I would, and, and if they think they're having more clenching and grinding bruxism, they probably are because they're closer to where they want to, uh, they're closer to their home base, to their, let's say, pseudo CR that they have. And that's where the first motion is usually the strongest. So that's always going to be something that you've got to balance out. And, and again, if, if, if they do a lot of clenching and grinding and they're breaking a bunch of devices, and when I bring them out, they get a lot of jaw muscle soreness and tenderness, you harden your heart and say, maybe you got to wear a CPAP. Yep. And then there's things you can do like, like a Herbst is friendly for lateral play for Bruxers, or if I'm using an Evo, which is really durable, but I could still, I could add one millimeter on each side to widen the corridor between those posts, which gives them a little bit more lateral play. And we know that the first movement is the most fierce movement. And as they get further out into an eccentric position, there's a lot less force. So they're less likely to break the post. And I don't care if they clench up, but most, most patients don't do what you're describing. And I know you know that. Most patients don't clench your grandma with these devices and they, it solves a lot of those problems. So, yep. Man, you always hey, bring it, but so you I'm started dropping out it. out of something tonight that I can't say I've done very often. I left room for questions. And we're still 20 minutes after the hour, man. <laughs> but I, but I got the content done by nine o'clock. That's true. And That's it's only five o'clock somewhere, right? Yep. It's five o'clock somewhere in Alaska. It is no. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Uh, we'll wrap it up tonight. Team, if you can put the uh, CE link in the chat. As a reminder, everybody, you have access to discounted course tickets. You have access to a free coaching call and you have access to your CE, but you got to fill out the survey. Survey. It's Easy not even 920 my time, man. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Fill out the survey, 17 and a half seconds or so, as fast as your little finger can click. Uh, appreciate you guys showing up tonight. There's a whole bunch of you. And uh, we look forward to next time. Dr. Mark, any parting words? Do the right thing. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. And do your best. <laughs> I, try, I try to make it sound serious, but I'm not accomplishing that very well. <laughs> we appreciate you, man. Seriously. Peace. Thank you again for tonight. Thank you. Yep. All right, everybody. Have a good evening. We will catch you next time. Catch you on the flip flop. 
Thank you for joining us on this webinar. If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakenasleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken number two sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.